led into just opening our mouths and worshiping that starting with myself quite often we have forgotten that even though worship is the stake if a stake is presented in an, an unclean vessel it's not eatable and consecration consecrating yourself God here, here are the things that have messed us up we hear now that we're not under the law we're under grace and so we have taken grace to be used in any which way we figure we want to use it that I I'm not under the law, so I don't have to follow any procedure coming into the Holy of Holies. I can just walk right in, and we've heard that from preachers. We can just walk right in whenever we want to, however we want to, and start worshiping. The other thing that we have been told is that We, we can just be that all you have to do is, is call on the name of the Lord and everything will be okay. And we keep missing one word, consecration. We keep missing the fact that God can only operate in a clean vessel that has been set aside. If you and I don't take the time to consecrate, not just one time a day, but all through the day, Sisangelum touched on it. Lord, cut, clean, purge, pump, suck, anything that causes the stake of worship that I am trying to present to you to be unfit for your consumption take it away Lord take it away if you feel dry today during worship if you felt any semblance of dryness could it be because the worship was right, the words were right, but the consecration wasn't really done. And so what you were feeling is steak on a garbage lid. What you were feeling is steak on a garbage lid. Because Somewhere along the line, we, we miss the fact that consecration and worship go together. Before I go into the word any further, I don't even think you can relate to what I'm going to say if there is not consecration. So wherever you are listening to me, you're sitting in your seat, would you take 
a few moments just to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the times I have attempted to present the stake of worship. On the lid, the garbage can of my vessel. If you're serious about receiving this morning, I'm telling you, something's going to break as soon as you start saying, God, I consecrate. God, I consecrate. Go ahead, tell him. God, I consecrate. Lord, I consecrate. Lord, I consecrate. I'm not, not presenting anything yet. I just want to consecrate. I'm not picking up the stake. I'm not putting my hand on it. I just want to wash my vessel. I remember as a child when we would be playing outside and during the summer and at a certain point mom would say, children, come on inside, it's lunchtime. We would all rush in and all you thought about is eating. But my mom would be right there, standing right by the table to ask the question, did you wash your hands? 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 Have you washed your hands? And I'm asking this morning, have you washed your hand? 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 Have you consecrated this morning? Father, we consecrate. We consecrate. We consecrate. We consecrate ourselves. Ah. Wash us. Purify us. Set us right. Whatever you have to prune, cut, suck out, wash away. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Somebody help me. Do it, Lord. Tell him. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I can't, I can't afford to waste any more steak. I can't afford. How many of you are that desperate this morning? I cannot afford to waste another slice of steak. My worship is steak. I can't afford to prepare and think about the right words to say. But my actual vessel, the thing I'm using to present with, is not clean. So clean me, Lord. Clean me. Clean me. Several times a day, clean me. Clean me. Clean me. I understand what David was saying. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. Don't let me come unless I'm acceptable. Don't let me walk in any which way except I'm ready. I'm, I'm washed, I'm purified, I'm consecrated. Today, Father, we welcome you in to consecrate every one of us, those that are listening on the air, those that are in the sanctuary with us, 
those that are feeling well or not feeling well, those that are up or down, we will give you thanks in everything, but we will do it with a vessel that's clean. And so we thank you for your complete and total cleaning, your scrubbing and pruning. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody. Would you help me give God a high praise and tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are a part of the assembly, and I know most all of you are, we have been talking about consecrated worship for the last two months of the year, right? Consecrated worship. That's, that's, that's what will get us into the flow of what we have identified as sustained levels of elevated faith. How many persons here would like to experience sustained levels of elevated faith? Sustained levels of elevated faith. You're tired of this camelback topper thing, you know, oh, the God is so good. Ooh, he's all, uh, pray for me, sister. Uh, uh, uh. You're tired of that. God said to me, the key to sustained levels of elevated faith is consecrated worship. Cons worship that is presented without consecration is just emotion. Oh my God, somebody's writing this stuff down. I worship that is offered without consecration is just emotion. How many of you know that God is moved deeply by just emotion? Where's the hurry? Not a chance. Our emotion does not move God unless it's connected to a heart that is consecrated. And if it isn't, you are experiencing emotion all by yourself. Worship without consecration is emotion. And emotion gets you a good time. That's all. All it gets you is a good feeling. But it never gets you the results you need. Consecrated worship creates intimacy. How many of us are willing to trade emotion for intimacy? How many of us are willing this morning? You ready? This is the season. Hey, Yasha. Oh! Mm. This is the season where we, we, ah, I feel it. I feel a wave coming where we've made a decision. Not in this new year. I'm done trusting God for 365. I'm not going from year to year to wander. No more. From this point on, I'm always going to trust God for the season. You know why? Do you know why? Because with God, a thousand years is but a day. And God can extend your season into 5, 10, 15 years, 20 or 30 years. He can extend the season of release 
and recovery in your life for as long as he wants to. But when you put, when you put the parameters of 2021 on him, you have set a date. He's not going to go beyond time in this realm. He's, gonna, he's going to honor what you Thank you, Jesus. Somebody needed that. Someone listening needed that. You spent too much of your time demanding stuff. Satan, I demand you. Devil, I demand you. And every time the adversary hears that or hears an emotional attempt to make him give back something that he stole from you, he laughs. Because demands come from a personal place of dissatisfaction and comes out in an emotional outburst that is not spiritual. Why isn't it spiritual? Because demands come from you and me. It comes from our mind, our emotion, our feelings, our pain, our hurt. When someone disturbs you, takes something from you, you demand that they give it back. You get angry. When the cop stops you, even if you were speeding most of the time, uh, they never come over to the car angry and upset, do they? Do you know why the cop walks over to the car looks in the window, has never met you before, and says, can I have your driver's license and registration, please? There's no emotion there. You know why? Because the officer, 100% of the time, is always speaking to you on the, he's commanding, and the only reason he can command is because he's on the authority. You command on the authority, you demand from physicality, humanity. You demand out of your humanity, you command out of your authority. Somebody needs to say that. I demand out of my humanity, I command out of my authority. I'm teaching somebody something. Somebody has been, been demanding and demanding and getting upset, almost getting to, getting to that place of cursing and think, and think the adversary is listening to you and think he's scared of you, but he's looked inside of you and realized that all that was happening was your human response to something negative. And then at the end of it, you said, in the name of Jesus. As if he doesn't know that you're not walking on authority. The officer is not walking on the authority. He is not, not commanding on the authority when he steps out of the car. He is walking on the authority from the time he wakes up. While he's brushing his teeth and standing naked in the bathroom and the shower, he's still 
an officer of the law. And he is still operating. If a fire broke out in his house and all he could do is run out with his briefs on and his badge in his hand, he is still under authority and he can tell you exactly what he wants you to do and you can do it. I'm learning some things that is taking stress out of my life. How many of you want to take stress out of your life? I'm taking stress out of my life. I'm not demanding, I'm commanding. My demands come out of my humanity. My commands come out of my what? My authority in Christ, in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I did not expect it, but I did. I was so excited to see my, my little brother, Pastor Jones here. Uh, I love you, man. We have seen each other's babies grow up. And uh, we've been connected for a long time. And I appreciate you. Yeah. Thinking about holding Zena in my hand as a, a toddler, and to see Zena and all the boys growing up and serving God, we must have done something right, Lacey. We must have done something right. Mm, mm, mm. Is there somebody that can agree with me? You look over your life and the adversary tries to tell you all kinds of stuff. But just remember one thing. Just, just think of one thing that God helped you to do right and just tell him. I thank you, Lord. I must have done something right. Woo! Come on, come on, come on. The adversary tries to point at everything you did wrong. But you can think of one thing and you say, with the help of the Lord, I must have done something right. Hey! Woo! Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, man, oh, man. It's 11.33. Hallelujah. Mm, mm. I'm really hoping, Pastor Jones, that uh, you'll probably be able to cover for me. We haven't talked yet. I trust you in our pulpit. Uh, on the 30th, if you're available, you're my first choice uh, of this month. I will be with Bishop Williams uh, kicking off their, uh, their Friday fire and then speaking uh, in Dayton and then Lima on Sunday on the 30th. So if you're available, man... You're my first choice. We have been on the series on I Got Manna. How many of you have been following I Got Manna on Power Up? I Got Manna. I Got Manna. Then we went in uh, last Wednesday and we talked about victory. Uh, we called that uh, uh, securing my plot. Is that, is that what we, we called it? Or... Uh, 
Uh, defending, there, that, there you go, defending my portion. Defending my portion. I'd like to continue uh, this series on I Got Manna. If you know uh, the word manna, for those who are listening and you're not saved, you haven't been in church for a while, manna was something that God supplied for Israel, his people in the Old Testament that provided everything they ever needed when they needed it. It was, it was nourishment that they could depend on. And we're going to deal with that. All of last week we talked about how, how negative and how troublesome and how dismissive and how painful uh, grumbling and murmuring is. We went to Exodus 16 and we looked at them coming maybe about two and a half months out of Egypt and they start grumbling and murmuring because they did not have particular things. And all of last week on Power Up, we talked about the importance of getting out of grumbling, staying away from murmuring. Don't be sucked in to complaining. I would like to go back for a few minutes this morning and look at some things that will absolutely keep you out of your manna stream. That will keep you out of your manna stream. What is your manna stream? Your supernatural provision. Things that are common that will keep you out of your manna stream. How many of us are absolutely standing firm that this season is a season where if, if you got anything to do with it, you will not step out of your manna stream. It will be grounded in consecrated worship. It will continue. You will bless the Lord at all times. Whatever is going on, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise is going to continually be in my mouth, and I'm not going to make that just a, a word declaration. It's going to be coming from my soul. Today, under the same series of I Got Manna, I wanted to share on the topic, manna is everything. Go ahead and tell somebody next to you. Manna is everything. We're going to go to the text in a few. But, you know, in this I Got Manna series, I, in, I've, I, I endeavor to look at some different aspects of the Old Testament life of Israel and the historic differences, things that we need to keep an eye on. And I'm very methodical. If you notice recently, I have not been shouting and jumping because it's important. I've got too much, the, the church world has got too much immaturity. You know how we know that? That during the, the pandemic of the last three years now, 
pastors have suddenly realized that in almost 80 to 90% of churches, Christian churches, that over 50% of the parishioners weren't really saved. You know how we know they weren't saved? Because as soon as they started being at home, they stopped supporting the church. They stopped looking at the messages on, on the feeds. They used the pandemic to completely disconnect from the things of God without having anybody check them on it. You know what that's called? Carnal or unsaved. And neither is good. It has been a shocker. I sat down with four pastors recently talking about the fact that they did not know this many people in their congregations were so biblically illiterate. And we all said, well, we preach in every Sunday, or do we? We've been sharing the word every Sunday, or have we? We've been trying our best to get this into the souls and spirits of everyone that listens. Have we really? When as soon as pressure gets there, over 50% of our congregants have decided that they could trust God, seek God, fellowship by themselves with God, and not interact with any other person at the church. And they are great about that because they believe that all they need to do is go to heaven. Israel became enslaved by Egypt after an exceptionally fruitful legacy left by Jacob and his son Joseph. If you remember, Joseph was the young man that his brother sold into slavery. And by the miraculous directive of God moving him around, he ends up eventually being the second in command in all of Egypt. Then he turns around and brings his father, his brothers, and everybody in his family to Egypt to experience the fruitfulness of God that was happening in his life, right? When that happened, everybody was just excited. God was in their DNA. Joseph gave God praise. Jacob, his father, praised God. His brothers came back into alignment. They all fellowshiped together, stayed in Egypt, and all 12 of them, from which the, the 12 tribes of Israel come from, enjoyed a great life that their brother Joseph had paid for. But at a certain point, all of them die. 
All of them die in Egypt, including Jacob. And the word of God says, and a new Pharaoh came to power that knew not about Joseph. You done history, buddy. Whatever you did, whatever alliances you created with my forefathers, it's all gone. This is a new generation. We don't know about y'all. And what that Pharaoh said was, as he looked at his country, he saw that the Jews, the Israelites, the 12 brothers' children were multiplying so quickly and prospering so much that he had to do something to curtail it. And so he started to put pressure on them, started to assign leaders throughout Egypt to round them up and bring them into slavery. I want you to see that even though God knows everything and sees everything happening, this was not the case that God had allowed this to happen directly because of their disobedience. All it says is that a new guy comes to power and the situation changes. And for the next 430 years, they are brutally enslaved. For the next, it should have been 400 years, but they messed up at year 400 and extended it for 30 more years. They are brutally enslaved. Israel spent the next 430 in subjugation, going through harsh, brutal mistreatments until they cried out for help. The fact that they cried out for help says automatically that because of the goodness they were enjoying under the family was were enjoying under Jacob and Joseph, that somewhere along the line, they had begun to minimize God in their lives. And as the descendants moved forward, and they started focusing more on the wealth and the niceties of Egypt, they walked away from the protection of their God. and ended up in slavery. Then they cried out. You know, I put a jot in here, it said, ain't nothing like a bit of pain to make us remember who daddy is. Ain't nothing like a bit of pain to help you remember who daddy is. And so God sent Moses trying to give you some context to where we're going. I'm going to move really fast in a few moments. God sends Moses to be their deliverer 
but it was only after they got to the point where they suddenly realized things are really bad. And I think the reason they're this bad is because we stopped calling out to the name of our forefathers. We stopped trusting Yahweh. We started enjoying ourselves, thinking that we provided for ourselves. So they cried out, and God, in his mercy, sends Joseph to them, uh, Moses to them, to get them out of this bondage and into the promised land. The promised land trip took about 40 years. Lest you think that suffering and pain is not good for you. I'm putting everyone on notice. Suffering and pain, however it comes, is good for the believer. And I know you're not going to say it with me because nobody wants to go through, but I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to support it with the word of God. Where, whenever it comes, wherever it comes from, a little bit of suffering and pain is good for your faith. Why? Because your humanity, my humanity, does not stay grounded when things are always good. It is the nature of our sinful humanity that when things get really good, we don't press in. The better things get, the more rejective of God we become. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, More than that, we rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Is that lacking from the church today? Uh-huh. That's why 50% of them disappeared during the pandemic because things were so good prior to the pandemic. We're looking down our noses at other nations. We're so proud to be Americans that internally, even as Christians, we have been behaving, even if we did not articulate it, we were behaving as if we did it all ourselves. But Romans 5 says, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character makes you keep giving and supporting God's word work even when you're not here. Character is what allows you to authentically pray for the ministry and support the ministry in offering and tithing when you can't be here physically. That's character. This is your home. This is your church. This is where God planted you. You're going to support it. You're going to bless it. Even if you can't be here physically, you will make sure that God's work continues. That's character. But if there's no suffering then there's no endurance, and then there's no endurance, there's no character. And character produces hope. 
a trust that everything is going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Trouble don't last always. Weeping may endure for what? A night, but I'm sure joy is coming in the morning. And as I put that in my spirit and I chew on it, the result is endurance. That leads to character. That leads to stronger hope. And hope takes away shame because the love of God has saturated our hearts. You want another reference about suffering? Look at Hebrews, Hebrews 12 and 5. It says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproves you, specs you, let you go through something. For the Lord disciplines those that he loves. A spoiled child never understands discipline. An unruly child never understands discipline. It's never been cultivated in them that you gonna do right the right way if I gotta make you. For God, the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. My gosh. If you endure chastening, if you endure, if you endure, endurance leads you to character. If you endure, God deals with you as with a son. The book of Numbers picks up the story of the 40 years journey of Israel starting from Mount Sinai. The book of Exodus catalogs their journey from Egypt to Mount Sinai. And we talked all week about the first part of their journey and we talked about the fact that murmuring was the first thing that emerged. We did not talk a lot about the why and how to get through this. And so I'm going to give you just three points today. Look with me at Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. It is during the course of their journey that something mind-blowing happens. It's something we Christians here at the assembly and in Florence know nothing about. They complained. They became ill-tempered. 
they became whiners. They, they became public murmurers. Have you met, met any of those people? Uh, we don't have any of them here. I mean, uh, just look straight ahead. Don't, 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 don't give it away. Just, just, just. None of us are like this. But they had become murmurs. And if you listened on Power Up, we understood that it wasn't just one or two. It was what? The whole community outside of Moses and Aaron that murmured. The whole community. Read Exodus 16. But we're going to look at a couple of things. And it says, Now when the people complained, Now when the people complained, It displeased the Lord, For the Lord heard it, And his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed some in the what? In the outskirts of the camp. God got so angry because they just got out of Egypt. You've just spent 430 years being whipped, being slapped around. Then the Egyptians get so upset that you're still multiplying that they started to substitute the, 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 the uh, soil that they made bricks with, substitute that with straw, and demanded that as they mix straw and soil together to create bricks, that it better be just as strong. They're out of that, and immediately... They start murmuring. They start complaining. And God got so upset that he just sent down fire. I could just see him doing like this. And everybody on the outskirts of the entire camp of Israel, several hundred thousand strong by this point, were burnt up. And when that happened, when that happened, what did they do? What did they do? They cried out. They cried out. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Right? Why was it burning? Why did they die? Because of complaining. Am I right? Go to number four. And this will start our first point. The foundation is that they were murmuring. Verse four. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat? God is supplying manna, right? Hold a second here. Hold a second. They begin to complain, murmur, whine. 
They're now out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're smack in the middle of nowhere. There's no Piggly Wiggly. There's no Walmart. There's no CVS. There's no water. There's no convenience. And God has kept them alive and thriving for 40 years on manna. For 40 years, they have had something coming directly from God's hand that had every nutritional value that they ever needed. And then something happens. They did what? They were influenced by unbelievers. These were folks that left Egypt with them that weren't Israelites. And then as they moved on, along the way, they pick up some other stragglers and allow these folk that don't know their history. Don't know what their God did for them. Don't know how God healed them. Don't know how God delivered them. Don't know how God set them free. Don't know how God kept the clothes on their back to last for 40 years without any new clothes. They don't know nothing about how God kept the sandals on their feet from wearing out. It says, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. What else do you expect unbelievers to do, Deacon Derek? You think unbelievers are going to stand up against intense cravings, sexual immorality, lies, fornication, hypocrisy, jealousy, all of these untoward behaviors. And yet, because they did not continue in the tradition of their faith by being consecrated worshipers of Yahweh. The unbelievers, the contemporary English version says, the worthless foreigners. You better understand that if someone is not a Christian and they're hanging around you, they are not a worthless human being in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, they are worth 
less than a plug nickel to you. Let me say that again. In a physical sense, they are okay. They're human. We love human beings. But don't you take advice from them because nothing they say is worth a plug nickel. Don't do it. The first thing that they run into is that they now have a mixed crowd following them that starts to do what? Lead them into the same fleshly cravings that they had. Can I tell you, at any given time when you are trying to reach God in a service or in your car or wherever you go in the grocery store, there is somebody who's got a spirit that is craving after the flesh and they're standing next to you. Don't look at the person next to you. But it is quite believable that there's somebody next to you or in your pew or watching with you on TV that is controlled inside and out by fleshly cravings. And the first thing that threw them off was that they began to listen to these folk. People in their congregation who did not have the same history with God, they didn't know God like they did. They didn't know God as deliverer. They don't know God. You got family that don't know God as your sustainer. You got family and close friends that don't know God as your healer. You got friends and family that you've known all your life, but they don't know God as my provider. He's not Jehovah Jireh to them. They don't know nothing about provision. They know about working three jobs. They know about stealing. They know about conniving. They know about doing whatever they need to do, but never trusting God. And I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm tuning you out. I'm tuning you out because I, I am only going to commit to hearing what God said. If he didn't do it, not, now I'm beginning to understand, brother, what the old mothers meant when they said, if God don't do another thing for me, he done enough. Why? Because all they had to do was remember how God delivered them from illness. Remember how God provided for them. Remember how God brought them out of a situation. Remember how God made a way when there was no way. And when that happened, when it comes back to their memory, their faith goes up and they say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and I will bless him at all times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fleshly cravings. Freshly cravings. Galatians 5, 16, and 17 says something about that. Yeah, you, you gotta hear, you gotta hear that. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. So I say, walk in the spirit. Walk with the spirit, and you will not gratify the cravings 
of the flesh. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Thank you, Jesus. Very quickly, go to verses 4. Or verses that verse five. Verse five says, We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks and onions and garlic. Has there ever been a good meal just based on? On those things right there. Have you ever sat down and said, thank you, Lord, I'm telling you, mama, you put your foot in this food. These cucumbers, melons, leeks, and onions, these garlics that you done put together here, I would kill for it. But see, that's what happens. This, this is what happens when you start looking back. Everything starts to look right. Do you understand that they are saying this when God had right in front of them something that tastes like anything they wanted to eat? The name of the manna, manna is translated in Hebrews as what is this? The translation of the word manna is what is this? What is this? Tastes like chicken. Somebody else in another tent. What is it? Tastes like stew beef. What, what is this? This tastes like curry chicken from the Caribbean. This tastes like teriyaki beef. When God sent manna, it shows up in front of the door every day for 40 years and it tastes like what it is, what it is you want. And yet, because they first started listening to ungodly folk trying to give them spiritual advice, it led now to what? Well, that sounds so good, what they're telling us. We better think about what it used to be like. There wasn't anything good back there. You're slaves. Deacon Derek, you're a slave. You're making bricks out of straw. I don't understand it, but you look around you today. Look around you in Christendom 
and this is all you see. Folks who have completely forgotten what God did yesterday. They completely forget what God did last week. They completely forget how good God was two years ago. And all that they have the audacity to say to God is, what have you done for me lately? God, get out of my face. God made you and I, Derek. Since when do we have the right to say to God, what have you done for me lately? When what he has provided for you tastes like anything you feel like he did. We are connected by sinful nature to doing stuff in order to get stuff. And all God is saying is be a consecrated worshiper. Do you understand this is so important to God that there are angels flying around with two wings they cover their face, with two wings they cover their feet, with two wings they fly, and all they are saying 24-7, holy, 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 holy. I'm telling you, I love admiration and I love honor but I in my humanity I don't think I could handle anybody saying holy 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 24 7 you know why because I am not holy in my flesh it's my spirit that's holy but when you are God and you are holiness Anything or anyone that says holy, holy, holy with a heart that is completely submitted is completely. I can't handle somebody saying you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. You're handsome, you're handsome, you're handsome. That's right, amen. You're a good guy, you're a good guy, you're good. You're a great dad, you're a great dad. And saying any one of those things 24-7, at some point, you just don't want to hear it no more. Why? Because your humanity is not connected to what they're saying. It's just words. And after a while, you don't want to hear more words, even if they're nice words. But when you're God, it's not words, it's who you are. Holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy is the king of kings. Holy, holy, the whole world is filled with this glory. Holy, 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 holy. Go to verse 6 and I'm ending right here. I'm ending right here, guys. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna. Lord Jesus. Whenever you let the wrong influence in and you start looking back, it leads to number three. You begin to minimize and reduce the uncomparable value 
of what God has done. When you begin to listen to the wrong people and you begin to look back at how things used to be when you had three, four girlfriends or what are, you know, all this stuff, the world, he takes us back. To, can I tell you? When the adversary takes you back, he takes you back to the pleasures of the past. But 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 he 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 never he never mm, 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 mm. he never never runs the pain of the past alongside it. The adversary always is just wanted to tell you about the pleasure of the past, but he doesn't want you to remember the pain that went with it. Can I tell you this morning that God? Is better than that. There's nothing about what the adversary has done in the past with his pleasures that can stand against the promises of God in your life right now. Give you one more line that I wrote down. Satan, Satan's bait is in our past and it's got nothing nothing on the blessings of our future he's got bait he's dangling it but you got to know that's the past right there what quench your thirst in slavery what quenched your thirst in slavery will never satisfy your taste in freedom. What quenched your thirst in slavery will never satisfy your taste in freedom. And you better know this from deep within your soul and never let the adversary mess with your mind because all he wants to do is talk about the pleasure, never about the pain. Bow your heads with me. Dear Father, we come, we come, we come, we come. This morning, we lay ourselves down before you. If you're on watching me, say the prayer with me. Pray, just tell God. Have your way, have your way with me, Lord. Have your, thine own way, Lord. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have thine own way. I mean, yeah. It is exactly what we're praying. God, take care. Would you stand with me? We've gone over 12. I hope that the time that we went over was beneficial to everyone. As we close out, would you just say that to God with me? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way.
own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy again. It's a prayer. Have, Have thy own way. way. 